USDOJ gets CAIO, EIEIO, Zeus's daddy goes Titan mode on Lockbit, and one pass, two pass, green pass, blue pass. These stories and much more on today's episode of MSP Dispatch. This episode is presented by OIT VoIP. Enhance your clients' communication abilities with our VoIP solution, featuring integrated billing, on-demand training, and live U.S. support. Collaborate seamlessly with Microsoft Teams integration and put your entire phone system in your pocket with MobileX. Improve your offerings and increase profitability with reliable service for one-tenth of the average MSP acquisition cost. To learn more, visit OIT.co or dial 844-CALL-OIT. Good morning and welcome to the February 23rd episode of MSP Dispatch, your source for news, community events, and commentary in the MSP channel. I'm Ray Orsini, joined as always by my co-host, Mr. Tony Francisco. How are you doing, Tony? Excellent, Ray. Excellent. How are you doing, Ray? <laughs> I, I, dude, I'm having like the roughest day. <laughs> it's like one to back to back. Like, I don't know if you're on my left, I don't know if you're on my right, I, like, I don't know if like, I put one foot in, one foot out, I'm completely lost. I, I just... I uh, people don't understand like. what's going on. We're sitting here just so everyone knows. Before like at, we're setting up everything to record, I'm like, wait, are you on this side or are you on this side? On this side. And then we're sitting over here and we're sitting there like we're touching fingers like, oh, oh, look, we're, we're touching our fingers. Oh. <laughs> this, is, this is how the co-hosts actually communicate before. And then the little, it's like, yeah. oh, Wonder Twin Powers, boom, activate, news, we're activated. Like, we're sitting here trying to figure out like which one, yeah, this is the opposite of professionalism, but absolute fun. Uh, uh, speaking of fun, Tony, uh, I know we have a DOJ story somewhere in the lineup. I was going to cover it, but I know mm. you have experience with that specific department. Can you, you want to take it for me? I think I got this one. Let's talk about the Department of Justice. In my first story from Andrew Goudsward at Reuters.com. The U.S. Department of Justice appointed its first chief AI officer, Jonathan Mayer, a professor at Princeton University, to address AI's impact on law enforcement. In a statement, Attorney General Merrick Garland stressed the importance of adapting to technological advancements while ensuring ethical AI use. In line with this, Mayer's role involves advising on AI integration in investigations and prosecutions. Deputy Attorney General Lisa Monaco highlighted AI's potential benefits in tracking drugs and in combating terrorism. However, she also raised concerns about biases and cybersecurity risks. To address these issues, Mayor will lead a team to assess ethics and effectiveness of AI systems and will focus on recruiting more tech experts into the department. Ray, I have, um, for almost five years, uh, worked with the Department of Justice and the network security side, and I could not be happier about this. <laughs> there was a it's point, a win, just for right? the record, it is. There was a point where I had to disassociate myself with the DOJ. Uh, I'm not going to mention any administration, but things did not go in the right direction. Um, and I have always had so much confidence in what the potential was for the DOJ. Um, and now I feel like it's moving in the right direction. The fact that they're taking with open arms 
AI in and understanding the impact, both the positives and the negatives and creating a framework and creating uh, the, the controlling mechanisms as this arch of uh, this arc of massive acceleration in the AI world is occurring. They're creating the controls needed now. That's just my thoughts. I'm happy. What are your thoughts? Let's unpack it. No, I think it's fantastic. I, I love the fact that uh, they're thinking about this stuff in a way that, um, how do I say this? They're thinking about these things in a way that we need to future-proof. Uh, you know, there's ton, tons of topics, uh, tons of discussions have taken place regarding AI, ethical use of AI, pol potential malicious use of AI, um, and un unintended uh, malicious use of AI, right? It happens, it's called negligence happens all the time. Um, surprise, surprise, AI is generally new. Uh, and so we're going to make mistakes. So having somebody to sit there and look at the grand picture of things to actually be in charge of owning how we look at AI, how we adopt AI, being in the conversations of shaping the policies around AI um, at a government level, I think is fantastic. I absolutely think it's fantastic. Like you, I applaud the USDOJ for being so early to this, right? I mean, I, they were obviously watching MSP Dispatch, and that's why they thought it was- A hundred percent. And you actually hit it on the head. They're early to it, which is the exact opposite of the DOJ. <laughs> I just want to point that out. Yeah, it really uh, is. So, so uh, back in the back in my previous days, I worked at a company called GTE, GTE MobileNet. Um, we said it stood there, stood for uh, get there eventually. That was the uh, uh, acronym for that. But the the real thing about the DOJ's implementation of an AI framework is understanding the accountability and measuring a framework to address a blast radius. So the one thing you said was negligence and and almost. Uh, kind of an ancillary uh, impact of something using AI. That blast radius has a uh, an ROI, not from the return on investment perspective, but from the ripple out impact perspective. And I think the Department of Justice is now creating a, a mechanism to measure the, we'll call it the accountability in the event of something like this occurring. So they're trying to get ahead of the curve. And, and I just love that type of thinking. Not what's here now, not what's next, but what's after that and what's after that. And that is the mindset that we need to be in with AI because guess what? We're already a little late at that level. And, and especially with the advent of Sora, you've got, you know, Gronk, you've got ChatGBT, you've got Claude, you know, from Anthropic, you've got, you know, Google's Gemini coming out. You have so many different AI models that we're aware of, but what about the ones that we're not aware of? And how do they plug into each other? Like Autobot just become something so far more powerful than we've ever considered. Yes. Um, you know what? I believe, I'm just throwing this one out there. So the MSP Media Network has a show. I think it's called what's it called? Something about AI. It's um, what's it? Um, it's where they round up all the stories, right? Yes. Uh, oh, AI Roundup. AI yes, Roundup. There you go. <laughs> that's where you go get all the stories. For everyone watching this right now, go look at AI Roundup. Uh, Phil, who actually is the host, is amazing at it. And frankly, I don't know how he does his graphics and the videos so well. Probably AI cheater. Uh, but it is incredible what he puts together, and you learn so much so often in small nuggets, strongly recommend you go. But in the so, meantime- So Tony, real quick, before we move mm, off that though, mm, um, I should mention some of the graphics used by our own MSP dispatch, they're not completely AI driven. 
AI has a component of it, and we have a graphic artist manual who uses who uses AI to start it and then refines it according to our taste. So we are using AI daily, um, yeah. but it's still manually done. That just so you know, that's like so authentic. That's, it's like it's like vintage, you know, vintage luggage, vintage purses. They're like, oh, that's so awesome. Yeah, are, are we going to see artisanal handmade AI? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? Let's talk about artisanal uh, ransomware. Oh, is there such a thing? Let's, yeah, let's talk about it. That sounds scary. <laughs> Well, this next story is definitely artisanal and handmade. Uh, and our next story, Lockbit Ransomware Group taken down in multinational operation in a story written by Tim Bradshaw for Ars Technica. In a multinational operation known as Operation Kronos, 11 international agencies, including the FBI and the UK's National Crime Agency, have taken down Lockbit. The operation successfully locked out Lockbit from its systems, leading to arrests, indictments, and identification of key members. In addition, Lockbit's core technology, including hacking tools and its dark web homepage, was seized. In the past four years, Lockbit's thousands of global ransomware attacks on high-profile targets like corporations, hospitals, and schools have caused operational disruptions and financial losses. And while significant progress has been made, law enforcement officials continue to pursue remaining members and affiliates of the group with ongoing efforts to disrupt their operations and infrastructure. Tony... Is this a step in the right direction? Is it just pro forma? Do you think there's actually going to be some some actual impact, or do you think the void is going to get filled, like when you take out a, you know, cocaine kingpin and get, the space gets filled? What do you think is going to be the fallout of this? If you name your operation Kronos, which is for those uh, for the edification of everyone here, the father of Zeus, you better come out swinging hard. And I'm just throwing that out. You, you, you better not be an anemic attempt at whatever you're doing. You need to come in dedicated to this. And so I, I think I think the fact that you have multiple agencies internationally working together. You said uh, FBI, UK's National Crime Agency. I, I, I mean, that that's not a joke right there. Um, if they're coming down on this, now let's rewind just a hair. The Department of Justice, for our previous story, is they're jumping in. You, we uh, rewind just a little bit more. We have other episodes where we talk about multiple countries getting along, uh, getting together to a, a better align themselves in a framework of uh, not only ethical scenarios, but legal scenarios and accountability. This, to me, screams beautiful things are happening. They're moving in the right direction as opposed to being willy-nilly, hand-wavy. Uh, they're actually creating uh, and executing policies. I don't know how they're going to be able, this is, this is like herding cats though. I don't know how they're gonna be able to, to actually stay on top of this. Um, what, are your, what is your prediction on effectiveness of this? Um, I think it'll slow, not stop. Um, one of our other notables, one of our notables we'll talk about later, talks about the ConnectWise Screen Connect uh, vulnerability and how um, that's being addressed. Um, so these things get easier and it's not like the remnants of the Lockbit um, organization, their tools and, and their practices don't aren't already out there, right? So it's not, while you can take the head off the snake, it's more Hydra than it is monolithic, right? So that those are the things I worry about. Uh, realistically, the world is full of bad people. I understand 
stopping somebody for speeding doesn't mean you stopped everybody else on the road. You get you do what you can. Um, and it's the same thing here. I absolutely applaud the efforts. Um, if we get more of this, more multinational uh, collaboration where we're going after these things en masse and we're showing that regardless what city, what country, what continent you're on, you're going to be addressed uh, and prosecuted. It's nothing but a good thing for me. Um, I'd love to see that. I agree. I think I think the strategic implications alone are substantial. I think that is um, in line with the name Kronos. Huge hats off to the person who said Kronos. That's the name. We're coming in hard. Uh, and and but getting getting the FBI as a single entity to do something in conjunction with another country because you're now kind of serving two masters. And the more you line up, the more struggles that you're going to have on ownership on processes, on priorities, on the mechanisms for the implementation, the tracking, the assessment, and then the end accountability. Um, so, Tony, let me ask you something real quick before we move on. You and I both know, we're, we've both been in charge of architecting and designing policies and procedures. Um, as we all know, the first one goes at a slow pace because you're defining everything and getting going with it. But then the next one goes faster and faster and faster given that they've already wrangled all these organizations together, these countries together, and they have successfully executed an operation at that scale, do you think we're gonna see more of these occur with more frequency? That is an amazing question. Um, I think I implied that from the beginning when the countries were first started together to talk about it. And if we rewind, uh, maybe even six months ago, um, we had the AI leaders, and this is when Sam Altman was leaving or uh, not leaving, when he was kicked out and then brought back. I think just prior to that, he was bringing attention to it, which brought the leaders together. Uh, then that was a distract and evade mechanism, which pulled everything offline. Eventually everyone got back together. Then uh, the United States specifically started uh, uh, following the lead of another country i will mention that uh no one's supposed to talk about that because we were first um and but then the united states got together and then multiple countries got together i believe it was 11 uh got together to address that and then we we're, we're seeing this over and so you're hitting it on the head the strategic implications alone we could talk about this all day i know we've gone too far but this is music to my ears <sighs> you know what you're talking about what something simple like passwords. Another LastPass story? No, this is not LastPassy. Thanks, Ray. In a story from Kyle Wiggers at TechCrunch.com, 1Password, a top password management software developer, has brought purchased Collide, an endpoint security platform for an undisclosed sum. Collide's founder and CEO, Jason Meller, along with all 30 employees will join 1Password, with Meller taking the job of VP of product. The acquisition aims to deal with the security issues posed by increasingly mixed and device-friendly workforce. Collide specializes in device security and contextual access management, checking with device health at login to ensure safe access to the company's apps and data. The endpoint cybersecurity sector where Collide operates is quickly growing and is expected to reach $23 billion US by 2027. Collide's platform offers endpoint security alerts, fixes, and personalized privacy features via Slack using the open source 
Ausquery project. With over 250 million in yearly recurring revenue and plans to add 250 jobs this year, 1Password is set for further growth in the cybersecurity market. Ray, let's just lift the hood just a little bit and peek into this. Um, a, not LastPassy, which is good. And if you don't know LastPassy, I'm going to tell you right now, is copyrighted by Ray in some pass in some respect or another. <laughs> LastPassy, which has nothing to do with passwords, more of the repeated failure to communicate uh, exploitations. But we'll get to that at a later time. Two, the fact that we are now witnessing firsthand the, the expansion of context of a password. It's not just the password itself, but it's also what you're using the password on going into and the health check of that device. And that's what Collide did. What are your thoughts on this? Do you think we'll see further expansion? Is this a good move? Or is this just an, uh, some more white noise and the, oh, cybersecurity, let's make some more money? If there was ever a technology where I said could be, where I would say could benefit from the use of AI, it's this exact one. Um, being able to correlate millions of data points to make instantaneous decisions for the better protection of the end user and the overall organization, I think is phenomenal. Not saying they're using AI today, but if I'm a betting person, somebody with $250 million, yeah, they're probably, they're probably going down that path. But I see the need, right? It's no longer, do I know who you are? It's no longer, can you prove who you are? It's no longer, I've checked you against my database that you're authorized to do it, right? The traditional IM or AAA. Um, so, but here, the device is healthy. The device has the proper connections. There's no concerns about the network connection. There's no concerns about DNS. There's no concerns about the certificate store and it's using the proper certificate store and it matches the elements on the, wherever it's authenticating against. That is amazing. I absolutely love that. I can't wait for this to get to the MSP space, honestly. This is a that, huge thing. Oh, you just stole it from me. You, you just ripped <laughs> it out right from underneath me. I'm like, just hurry, finish your elegant elegant waxing, of, your poetic waxing of all this great stuff. When's it coming to the MSPs? When are we gonna have access to this? Oh. Yeah, I mean, but the need is there, right? Like how many times have we talked about? MSP is about, used to be about 10 years behind enterprise. Now I'd say we're probably five or six years behind. It's catching up. Um, but this is one of those I'd love to see zero delay in getting to the MSP world. And I'm, I'm bullish on it because OnePass is already used by a lot of MSPs. They do have an MSP program. The quality of it is questionable, but they absolutely but do they have, have an MSP, MSP program. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, listen, like, they're not LastPassy. Okay, I'm being, I'm being optimistic, damn it. So, <laughs> Like, why, like, for, for example, like, why can't Bitwarden doing it because I'm of the opinion. So I, I like one that one password's great. Uh, Bitwarden, my personal preference because I'm not a Mac guy and, and right. yeah. one password's Mac, Mac, Mac. But I, to be blunt, they did an amazing job at this. They also did have some security issues and concerns and we've talked about that on the show. Yeah. Um, the, the Bitwarden, not only does it provide a hosted sol service solution and it is open source, which allows everyone to beat it up and identify those exploits, but you can actually self-host it. As well, so some paranoid personnel uh, don't know who anyone who would be totally neurotic and paranoid who would self-host. Why would you do that? Um, but <laughs> um, 
<laughs> where you not only uh, double, triple nat it, but have a different security cert on each one with the validation based so, on the so source. So people don't realize this about Tony's data centers. He has two armed guards. They're Swiss guards, like you have at, at the, uh, <laughs> like you have at the Vatican. There are two Swiss guards standing, and they examine the packets one by one by hand. Truly they artisanal. Do. They, they, they smell them. They smell them. They go. They sniff the packets. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you want to talk yeah, about just, IDS. <laughs> just, just, good job, one password. Uh, everyone, please, please, please get a good password manager. Please, 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 in the MSP audience, offer this to your customers. And by that, I mean mandate it. And if they don't use a password manager, say, listen, I can't do business with you because I have a certain standard where people use, I don't know, um, laws and electricity and maybe the internet. There's certain things that you have to use in order for me to do business with you. Password manager should be one of those top ranked things. But another top ranking thing, notables. Oh, I love notables. And they're Let's never last passy. <laughs> they're never last passy. In my first notable mention, Screen Connect Critical Bug now under attack as exploit code emerges, written by Bill Tulis for Bleeping Computer. ConnectWise has confirmed multiple compromised Screen Connect accounts in an update. Huntress warned of easy exploitation of vulnerabilities, observing over 8,800 vulnerable servers on Monday, decreasing to about 3,800 in the next day. After disclosure, exploits emerged swiftly, prompting Huntress to analyze flaws and demonstrate exploit creation simplicity. They located flaws by code examination, including unauthorized attack to the setup wizard and zip slip, allowing access to sensitive files. ConnectWise advised immediate updates to mitigate risks to on-premise servers and clarified instances on ScreenConnect.com cloud or hostedrmm.com have already been secured. My next notable mention, Microsoft's upcoming custom chip will be made by Intel, written by Richard Lai for Engadget. Intel Foundry Services recently secured a deal with Microsoft for its 18A fabrication process, which is set for an upcoming in-house chip likely by 2025. Although the chip specifics remain undisclosed, they align with Microsoft Azure's Maya AI Accelerator and Azure Cobalt 100 CPU server chips. Intel aims for manufacturing readiness of its 18A in the second half of 2024, promising efficiency improvements, innovative backside power solutions, and potential for the next-gen Cobalt CPU. CEO Pat Gelsinger envisions Intel Foundry as a major player in the contract chip-making market, with clients like MediaTek, Qualcomm, and Amazon already on board. In my first notable mention from Carl Franzen at VentureBeat.com. Well, kind of. Just days after impressing the world with photorealistic demos of the AI video generation model, Sora, OpenAI encounters a setback. ChatGPT began producing nonsensical outputs, leaving users baffled. Some outputs mixed Spanish and English, while others invented words or repeated phrases. Users even compared it to eerie extraterrestrial graffiti or from Annihilation. Although jokes about a robot uprising circulated, many saw it as a glitch undermining AI credibility. OpenAI acknowledged the issue, identified it, and deployed a fix. And despite a quick response, doubts linger about using ChatGPT for critical tasks. And my next notable mention from Richard Lawler at TheVerge.com. Google 
is introducing a revamped sign-in page featuring a more modern look and feel with a light material design makeover. While the sign-in steps remain unchanged, the layout is now horizontally aligned for better compatibility across various screen sizes. Despite the visual updates, users will still enter passwords or other authentication methods as before, with no immediate shift to passwordless logins. Starting on February 21st and concluding on March 4th, 2024, this rollout offers no opt-out option affecting both workspace admins and personal account users. Only outdated browsers may retain the previous login page post update. Today, we're taking a look at the latest development in generative text to video models with OpenAI's announcement of Sora. And no, not, not that Sora. <laughs> this Sora has much smaller feet. <laughs> So Sora is not out for public use yet, but the reel that OpenAI has posted with examples of what it's capable of has the internet buzzing with excitement and, as always, trepidation about what this new model might bring. Sora, OpenAI's text-to-video model, is breaking new ground by transforming simple text prompts into high-definition videos. Whether it's a serene, snowy Tokyo or a dramatic prehistoric scene, Sora brings imagination to vivid reality. And you can watch the entire reel of example videos online right now on OpenAI's site. And to think where we've come from with text-to-video models in less than a year, these results are highly impressive. Building on the shoulders of giants like Dolly 3, Sora operates on a denoising latent diffusion model, cutting-edge tech that slices through videos in 3D patches to bring to life the most intricate of narratives. While Sora's potential is sky-high in creative fields, it's not without its challenges. The model's current limitation is simulating complex physics and understanding causality. Remind us that AI still has a long way to go. As always, if you watch the details closely, you can find those AI tells that give these away as generative content. For instance, in the video, this woman's legs like swap places at one point and <laughs> what is going on with the guy in the back is is he wearing a like a pillow suit or something i don't know there are plenty of amazing upcoming events taking place across the community so let's see what's happening this week on tuesday the 27th at 2 p.m eastern time cyberwise employees presents how to stay safe online and then on Wednesday and Thursday, the 28th through the 29th, two in-person events starting with ASCII Edge in Costa Mesa, California, as well as Channel Pro SMB Summit in Chicago, Illinois. And coming from the MSP Media Network this week we have, in case you missed it, yesterday there was a new episode of the Tech Bar with our slightly delayed Valentine's Day special with Cynthia Schreiner of CyberQP. And then later today at 11 o'clock Eastern Time, a new episode of MSP Community Live, followed shortly after at noon by Bits and Books, Episode 6, about the book Dare to Lead. Coming March 4th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, a special channel program webinar all about finding new revenue opportunities via automation and process, featuring Greg Sharp, CEO and founder of Zen Contract. Frank Gurney, Channel Director of Security Studio, and Tara Rummer, Director of Community and Events at EmmyBot, with special guest moderator Ray Orsini, CEO of OIT VoIP and founder of the MSP Media Network. Follow the link in the show notes to save your seat and learn proven strategies to increase your monthly recurring revenue. 
So how'd you like today's show? If you liked it, hit the thumbs up button. And if you didn't, go and hit it three times, five times. You know the deal. Keep the Fibonacci sequence. And if you want to hear more, go and hit that subscribe button on the YouTubes or your favorite podcatcher. Did you know we also have a Discord where we post stories all week? You can tell us your favorite stories and even vote on which ones we'll cover. As my friend Rich Banky says, make sure to tell a friend. Also, be sure to follow us on social media at MSP Media TV. Have any questions? Email news at MSP Media TV for answers on the next episode or leave us a voicemail 833 MSP Network. All right, Tony, we got through it. We had fun. We tons of shenanigans, but we actually got it done. Like, not bad. We got it Congratulations, done. Congratulations, sir. We we created educational uh, information, dialogue. It was charismatic. Uh, it was uh, wildly inappropriate on the back. Tony, uh, Tony, Tony. We're talking about MSP Dispatch, not something. Oh, I thought yeah. the Barnett. Uh, I was talking so. about Barnett. Um, so <laughs> now, I love doing this show. I love talking about the latest and greatest topics because not only just FYI does it allow us to talk about these and share our thoughts with people but it also gives us other peripheral items and people are constantly suggesting what about this what about that what about this so it's not just the hey these are the three things that we pick and then you know the two notables from each of us um there are a dozen plus stories every single day that we're reading and it keeps us on top of things uh, and it keeps my um my my therapist busy with his bill and and <laughs> do, do you get on your uh on your invoice for the insurance where they have the explanation of benefits five thousand dollars last passy treatment <laughs> oh my gosh you need to how do we copyright that without a lawsuit like that is that is beautiful oh, i don't man. know but for now tony thank you so much for everything dude i appreciate you i appreciate all your input all throughout the week and i look forward to seeing you again next week Ladies and gentlemen, until next time, take care of yourselves and each other. Be safe, everyone. This has been a broadcast of the MSP Media Network. Users even compared it to eerily <laughs> They located flaws by code examination, including unauthorized access to the setup wizard and zip slip, allowing access to sensitive file files. Ugh, files. Uh -huh.